0: loving our carolers and our bells all through the magic of technology peace be with you in this moment and in every moment you are able to bring yourself to a place of mindfulness to the presence of the beloved heartbeat of the universe and to your own internal quiet it is always there waiting for you I am Reverend Candace Bist, and along with my husband, Bruce Lee, we serve the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge in southern Ontario, where, like the rest of the world, we are living through the COVID-19 pandemic. It is the second week of the Advent season in the year 2020, a year fraught with uncertainty, and that uncertainty is far from over. But as we spoke about last week, uncertainty is a constant in life. For in truth, we can never know what any day will bring. Perhaps a new love. Perhaps death. Perhaps new understanding. Perhaps conflict where one least expects it. Perhaps unmerited and generous grace, which by its very nature is always unexpected. Perhaps compassion extended towards us. And perhaps a new discovery of how to extend compassion to someone else. Uncertainty is certain. But what is equally certain is the supremacy of life that always brings about new birth, even in the midst of death. What is certain is the power of love, To overcome all obstacles and the time of Advent is a time to reflect on that love beating as it does throughout all time and space a mystery desirous of peace on earth and goodwill to all people. The Advent season began last week in hope and it continues this week in peace. Peace you may wonder In the midst of all the conflict and all the uncertainty? Yes, absolutely. Peace in the here and now. Peace we may claim as our own and give as a gift to others. We're reading from the Gospel of Mark today. And Mark was written in a time of war, a time of great conflict. It was also the first of the stories about a person called Jesus and the beginning of that strange new thing called Christianity. Mark, along with the hymns and carols of this season, is our teacher today, and also Matthew Meyer Bolton, whose thought I draw from and whose podcast I will be offering up on the website this week. Matthew Bolton makes the bold claim that the Bible, being the most widely read and purchased book of all time, is valuable precisely because of the many conflicts and contradictions within it. Its beauty, its wisdom, its violence, its mysteries. The Bible has been used for great good, but also for great evil. Either way, it is the most influential document in human history. But he would also claim, and I agree with this, that along with the Bible being greatly influential, it is also greatly misunderstood and thus misused. The Christmas story, likewise, has influenced many. Well, it has influenced all of us for sure, and it, too, has been misunderstood. Conversation is a great antidote to misunderstanding. So in our Sabbath time, we continue our ongoing conversation with music, scriptures, traditions, and the birth story of Jesus. And as we do, I am hoping that you will see that despite all around us to the contrary, there is hope and peace and joy and love in abundance
1: Come thou long expected Jesus Born to set thy people free From our fears and sins release us Let us i rest in thee Israel's strength and consolation To thy glorious throne
0: There is no escaping John the Baptist in the season of Advent. As the herald of Jesus, John stands on the far side of the Jordan River, getting ready to pass the baton on before he sinks back to his humble place while Jesus blazes forth. Our call to worship proclaims John's purpose and echoes the earlier prophets of Israel, all of whom call for people to repurpose their lives. There's a voice in the wilderness crying, a call for the ways untrod. Prepare in the desert a highway a highway for our God. The valleys shall be exalted, the lofty hills brought low. Make straight all the crooked places where the Lord our God may go. O Zion, thou bringest good tidings, go up to the heights and sing. Proclaim to the desolate people the coming of our King. Like the flowers of the field, they perish. Like grass, our works decay. The power and pomp of nations shall pass like a dream away. But the word of our God is steadfast. The arm of the Lord is strong. God stands in the midst of nations and soon will right the wrong. God shall feed the flock like a shepherd. The lambs will gently hold. To pastures of peace will lead them and bring them safe to the fold. Pray with me. Gracious one, we gather each in our own little bubble, apart, and yet joined together in a virtual community of affection for this season and this Sabbath time. We gather to offer our joy and sorrow, reveling in your proximity, though confessing, we know little of your will and way. We acknowledge our blemishes, and yet we give thanks that you look not on our appearance, but in our inmost heart. In this season, the darkness comes early and the light rises reluctantly. There is a certain trembling in our bones, in our families, in our nation, in our world. We do not ask that you remove our misgivings, but that you provide an inner point of stillness that sustains and invigorates. Grant the calm that outlasts storms, the quiet that overrules the noise, the composure necessary to endure all manner of contention. Wean us on the word that sustains. Hold us gently amid the rough and tumble circumstances of our lives and lead us into the conspiracy against all villainy, and in our longing for and leading toward the day when justice and peace will kiss. May these anguished days unfold in praise for the making of all things new. Amen. about the Christmas story, we conjure up singing angels, bejeweled wise men, and a baby being held by his mother Mary, while the barnyard animals stand around in adoration. Lurking somewhere in our minds might also be the villainous King Herod, that ferocious man who had John the Baptist beheaded, and then without missing a beat, Ordered all the babies under the age of two to be slaughtered in an attempt to kill Jesus. He did not succeed. Kudos to the angel crew for that clever maneuver. But this story is not in the Gospel of Mark. Mark's birth story of Jesus begins with Jesus hanging around with his cousin John down by the River Jordan with all the other malcontents. In current language, it was a gathering of those who were spiritual but not religious. The temple had ceased to offer people the sustenance they needed. People were looking for an experience of God. And what they had been given instead was a list of do's and don'ts, financial requirements, and rules, rules, and more rules. Where, they wondered, was the power and the mystery of God. And what had happened to the community that was supposed to care for one another in a tender way? They could not find it at the temple, nor with the priests who had been appointed to model the compassion that was to be at the heart of the Torah. And here is Wild John asking these Jews to be baptized, which in and of itself was unusual. There was baptism in the Hebrew tradition, but not generally for those who were already Jews. It was for outsiders, those converting to the faith. But John, steeped in the prophetic tradition, teaches by symbolic gesture. He calls the people to come back to God to review their faith, renew their faith, recommit to their faith. And the symbol of this, he tells them, will be baptism by water. And this ritual will hopefully help draw them back to the rich, compassionate, intent to care for themselves and others that was etched into the Decalogue. Only after they have taken part in a recommitment to their faith will the gift of a spiritual rebirth be given. And that is God's territory, not John's. So Mark sees the birth of Jesus as a baptismal moment. Jesus is baptized with water by John, and then he is baptized in the Spirit by God. Jesus has an experience of knowing himself to be beloved. And this is his birth story. From from that moment on, his ministry begins. His life as the Christ is initiated. But hold to beside this thought, the circumstance in which Mark writes his story. Mark is a war correspondent, writing in and around the time of the Jewish revolt against the Roman imperial occupation that resulted in the desecration and destruction of the temple. The temple was, to the Jewish people, the very heart of God. To lose the temple was to lose everything. Mark stands in the midst of this desolation, stares down the terror of the unknown for himself and all that he and the Hebrew people hold sacred, and he declares that he has a gospel to tell, and it is a gospel of true peace. The word gospel does not just apply to our beloved scriptures in the Christian context. It was a word used by the Romans to announce any great happening, but particularly a victory or a conquest. Shortly before the time of Jesus, an official imperial inscription hailed Caesar Augustus as son of God and declared his birthday as a beginning of the good news, the gospel for the whole world. Mark with his subversive storytelling skills, takes those two terms that the Romans have used, incorporates them in his story, and boldly claims that Jesus is the bringer of peace, not Caesar and not the empire. It is the battle between Pax Romana and Pax Dea, Roman peace versus God's peace. Mark standing in the midst of the battlefield where conflict rages all around, scribbling down everything he can think to tell us that is important, announces that the good news is that God's peace will win always. He begins his birth story the same way the biblical text begins way back in Genesis, because to Mark, a new world order is being formed. Mark 1, verses 1 to 11. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. (laughs) of the writer of the Gospel of Mark in a modern context, I imagine a young cameraman in the midst of the Black Lives Matter protests, or standing outside the busy hospital entrances reporting on the latest pandemic crisis, or following the Greenpeace activists, trying to record in the middle of the apparent chaos that something wonderful is happening. And yes, sensing that in the midst of all the uncertainty, today, God is on the move. God is allowing the tearing up and the tearing down so that some new world may emerge. And until it does, we will never be able to imagine it because it is beyond our human imagining. And as our modern-day Mark films his gospel, creates his YouTube video, he tries to capture the true spirit of the movement around him. And despite all the disruptions and violence, he claims that what is happening is good. Just like the writer of the Gospel of Mark, and just like our imagined modern-day Mark, We stand in the midst of uncertainty, both in the world and in our faith story, and in our personal church story as well, and we wonder how it will all turn out. Let's follow Mark's lead and train our eyes to the horizon, where the beauty of God's vision is clear, peace for all people. If we will but look up from the fear we will see it shimmering in the distance and also hear it beating within our own hearts. According to the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' ministry began when he understood that he was a beloved son of God. This last week in our practicing compassion gathering, we learned that the first insight in being able to cultivate compassion for others is to understand that all people are beloved by the universe. Belovedness is the true nature of humanity. Hold this thought, for this is your spiritual practice for the week. All people, without exception, are beloved by the universe, beloved by God. December 6th is the feast day of St. Nicholas, a 4th century bishop from Myra, which is now Turkey, who is known for his generosity. Our modern day Santa Claus is a mythical descendant of St. Nicholas. Throughout the world, there is a tradition where children leave their shoes outside the front doors of their homes so that St. Nicholas will fill them with chocolates and sweets and coins. Think on those children. They are beloved by God. December 6th is also the birthday of American poet Joyce Kilmer, known for his poetry that celebrated the beauty of the natural world and his religious faith. He wrote the well-known poem, Trees. I think that I shall never see a poem Lovely as a tree, he wrote, and ended it with this thought. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. Kilmer was a man of great moral character. He was beloved by God. He was also a soldier in the First World War, serving with distinction, until he was killed by a sniper's bullet. The sniper was beloved by God also. Here in Canada, December 6th has a dark shadow upon it because it is the day that we remember what has become known as the Montreal Massacre, a mass shooting in which 14 women were killed by a young man who then turned the gun upon himself. This day is now a national day of remembrance and action on violence against women. Each one of those women who died on December 6, 1989, was beloved by God. But so too was the young man, Mark, who perpetrated the violence. Mark's mother, Monique, was a nurse. She still is. And on that awful day, she was working, caring for people. She returned home to hear about the shooting on television and then headed off to a prayer meeting, which she did every Wednesday evening. And at that meeting, having no idea that her son had anything to do with what she had seen on television, she felt called to pray for the mother of the shooter, which she would discover the next day was herself. Monique's daughter, Nadia, would die of an overdose seven years after her brother, haunted by how she had treated her shy younger brother as a child. Mark, Nadia, Monique, all beloved children of God, and all to be the recipients of our compassion, because there is no distinction concerning the nature of belovedness. Do you see how we do not know the fullness of things? This Sunday, this December 6th, cast the warmth of compassion wide and let all shelter within it. The children and their desire for treats. The soldier, the poet, the sniper, the victims of violence, the mother, the child, the sister, the brother, all of us beloved children of God. When we come to understand this, then, There is heaven on earth. Then there is peace and goodwill towards all. And then the Prince of Peace has come, for we will have ushered him in, heralded his entrance with our own compassionate hearts. If you wish to learn more about just how to practice compassion, join us Thursday at 7.30 for our Zoom gathering. And also note that there is a Zoom gathering on Sunday afternoons at 4.30 to chat about the podcast or any of the accompanying materials associated with it. All the coordinates are on our website. Be blessed this week and know yourself to be beloved.
2: to come Cause I'm on the edge Of darkness There ride the peace train A peace train Take this land Bring us home again I've been crying lately Thinking about the world as it is Why must we go on hating why can't we live in bliss Cause I'm on the edge of darkness There rides a peace train Oh, peace train, take this land Bring us home again The peace train sound Or oh, flat top and hold roller. Jump on the piss train. Yeah, jump on the piss train.